Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Robbie Martin. And this is Abby Martin. So we have been um, looking at the Vault 7 stuff a lot. We wanted to, to do a podcast on, on the Russia hacking stuff because it's never-ending and it still is dominating the entire Democratic establishment and the mainstream media. Um, but also talk about Vault 7 because, of course, that's been totally swept under the rug, especially since Julian Assange is now the enemy of um, liberals, <laughs> even though he was their hero when he revealed all the Iraq war logs. But... Let's talk briefly about what has been also dominating the media cycle ever since I moved. And that's Trump saying that Obama wiretapped Trump Tower. First of all, um, Trump is a complete moron, but this is not a claim that should be laughed off. I mean, we already know through Edward Snowden that metadata is being collected on essentially everyone. (laughs) Um, but, But really... Not only can the president, of course, subpoena classified information and probably find that out, but the fact that he put it out there and the media is just incessantly, relentlessly attacking him, completely relentless, just mocking this claim. You know, Kellyanne Conway goes out there after the Vault 7 stuff and talks about how, you know, all these devices can be turned into microphones and cameras and even your microwave oven can spy on you. Um, And then that became a news cycle talking point, making fun of her and mocking her. Look, um, I'm sick of of that being a point of reference for people to make fun of people. Um, We've been called conspiracy theorists pretty much our whole lives. Um, You know, I was called a conspiracy theorist five years ago on RT for talking about the things that were finally confirmed in the Vault 7 release. Samsung TVs, smart TVs, um, even like refrigerators in some instances. So yeah, it may, it may not have been proven yet that maybe some smart microwaves, if those exist, can also be turned into to audio devices. But why the hell shouldn't we believe that at this point? It's like, that's not the thing that I'm going to be making fun of people about. So I find it very curious. A, the media is just completely all over this every day, all day, every panel talking about how stupid Trump is. But at the same time, they're covering up the huge release from WikiLeaks that exposes... Yeah. That the CIA essentially has an NSA-style agency, totally unaccountable, that can bypass encryption like WhatsApp, um, Signal. It can take screenshots of your phone. It can turn all of these devices into essentially telescreens from 1984. That's real. Um, So it's just not – it's just stupid to mock Trump or anyone else who's really saying this because how do we know that's not true? Probably is. Well, that's there's so many different aspects of this that make it make the whole like media dialogue about it really just dumb and and non-useful. It's it's one is mm-hmm. that Trump came out on Twitter and said this at like six in the morning. So let's assume that it is true, and he actually had evidence for it that he saw. He did it in like a super sloppy, you know, ham-fisted way. Like shocked. He should have. I mean, <laughs> if he had any evidence like hard evidence for it happening, he should have done a press conference about it and actually had someone like discuss the evidence. Um, So that was error number one on his part. And I don't know, I mean, at this point, I don't know if Trump is, you know, I don't know if there's some three-dimensional chess shit here or if he really is just like going on Twitter, like after like sleeping on the wrong side of the bed, you know, like just reading something on Breitbart in the morning. I don't know. That's what the mainstream media is trying to say is that he got this from Breitbart or Mark Levin show or even Infowars. They're trying to Mm -hmm. act like it came from the right wing media 
um, this this whole allegation. Um, but there were several stories out before the election. I remember in late November, or sorry, before the inauguration, um, that Trump Tower was surveilled um, by people. I, I don't know if it was the FBI, but by different people in the intelligence agencies. Um, so, you know, we're still caught up in this whole argument. Well, was Trump going to apologize for saying he was wiretapped and Spicer's out there saying he didn't literally mean wiretap, but they're not actually saying what he meant. I mean, to me, it sounds like Trump probably did see something in vault seven or read something on a website that, that also didn't really break it down in like a fully factually factual way. But at the same time, like you said, the NSA is doing bulk data collection and not just metadata sometimes, but also actual data, like recording all the phone calls in Afghanistan. We don't know where else they're doing that. Um, And then now the CIA has the ability, we know for sure, not just the ability, but they actively hack into all these different electronic devices, including Android phones, and they're able to bypass encryption apps like Signal because they're able to actually hack into the operating system itself. Um, They're not able to get you know, decrypted signal messages on the other end, but it doesn't matter because they can hack into the actual phone OS, which is kind of interesting considering that Apple refused to let, um, I don't remember which agency it was back then. Was it Homeland Security who was trying to get the phone of the San Bernardino shooters? um, I know that it was, uh, it was iPhone, but yeah, I don't know. Well, they were, so, so basically the whole ordeal there was that I, iOS, was secure enough where you couldn't hack into it if someone had put on security encryption on their phone or like a security key or something. So they got in a fight with Apple and Apple refused to do it. But the interesting reveal here is that all that implies that was a phony fight that whatever agency was trying to get that from Apple was actually bluffing and they already could get it apparently based on these vault seven leaks. Um, yep. So who was it? Was it Apple pretending like, like, you know, that didn't exist or was it the government? Good question. Because so far these corporations have been awfully mum on this, these revelations and Apple right. had the weirdest response. They said that, um, there aren't very many things in here. Like they already know about these things and are working on these. Basically the corporations responded to this and they said they're alarmed by it, but they also implied that like, um, it wasn't. They didn't make that big of a deal about it at the same time. But they should. What be. the hell? It totally throws encryption out the window. Like, what the hell are we supposed to do now? You literally doesn't even matter. We were obsessed with metadata before and encrypting our code. It doesn't even matter. Well, this is the so, this is the thing. I mean, so the NSA bulk data collection is done to everybody. They filter the entire internet in some instances. I mean, Mark Klein you know, revealed that they were literally filtering like the San Francisco Comcast or San Francisco like DSL hub for like the entire Bay Area and just like offloading all that data. This is this is if you're targeted, they will hack your devices and get into them. Exactly. So how do we know who's being targeted? They, exactly. The CIA is not supposed to operate domestically, but most of these devices are like most most of them are most popular here. There are more of them here than almost any other place in the world. So you really have to wonder who's being targeted in the United States for this and what can you do against it? I mean, because even and, and if, if you I could have- offer something, If I could offer something, just a scary thought. It's like during the Bush administration and Obama administration, I never thought that like 
necessarily journalists would be targeted through this, but with Trump, he could authorize anything. I mean, someone who just like pisses him off on Twitter, he could target their cell phone and like, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, this man is so unstable and he's running the entire empire. He can order the CIA to do whatever the hell he wants. Well, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the weird, it, it's like all this whole idea that he's fighting with the CIA and that, you know, he, he called them Nazi Germany. I mean, he really did say that they were acting like Nazi Germany when he thought that they leaked, you know, that stuff from Flynn talking to the Russian ambassador and stuff, but he just gave them more power to wage drone wars on their own, uh, covertly. That means that the public was able to see casualty reports before because the Pentagon discloses that CIA doesn't disclose shit. Yeah. So it's yeah. more secrecy. There was that news that came out that there was like tons of more drone strikes that are never um, recorded or told to anyone. Yeah. So what we're seeing is probably like half of, of what's really going on. So this, this it just doesn't make sense, this whole narrative that the pro-Trump conspiracy movement is pushing that this deep state apparatus has him completely by the balls or something. The guy is in charge now of the CIA. He installed his own CIA director, right. who's a nut job. Mike Pompeo, yeah. <laughs> um, good friend of Frank Gaffney, who we were mentioning on the last episode, one of his most regular guests on his radio show. Um, this is, it just doesn't make sense. And, and uh, it also, I mean, and I don't know, that's the, that's the tricky thing about this Trump wiretapping allegation is because it still does make him look like the underdog, even if, you know, if it, like, I'm willing to believe it, but at the same time, like, I don't even think it's that big of a deal because if they were wiretapping them you know for like russia connection shit obviously they didn't find much right yeah exactly they would have released it before he yeah unless there's another time bomb kind of situation being set up here which which you know with the political actors in dc it's very possible they're waiting for the right moment to drop but something why would else. they allow it to go this far if they had something that could really truly take them down that's a good point. Yeah, you mean like why would they even let him know. get in office? Yeah, and like and like yeah. appoint all point, of these yeah. people that are essentially just destabilizing everything that they've built. But would you hear what I, Diane I, Feinstein mm, said today? No, she said that she has good evidence, and she said she can't disclose it all. That Trump is going to like resign really soon. She said like just what? made a weird declarative statement like that, which I was just like, what? What? All right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's either another threat or is it like a Chuck Schumer kind of thing? Like, remember Chuck Schumer said that the CIA has uh, 200 ways to Sunday or whatever to get back at you if you like go after them? You're basically making this threat that because Trump was going after the CIA that they could come back to get revenge on him. One really, another irritating thing about this whole situation is all the liberals who are all of a sudden apologizing for the CIA and Bush. Oh, God. Um, it's oh, so, God, yeah. so disturbing, like t retweeting Bush and David Frum and CIA officials. It's like, I'm sorry, what in the hell is going on? The Iraq war didn't happen that long ago, did it? Jesus. That's a goddamn war criminal. He should be rotting in a solitary cell for the rest of his life, drinking yeah. the blood of the children that he slaughtered. And and he's still like acting as silly and as weird as as, yeah. as ever. Dancing around, Ellen's like, "Hey!" Ba -ba -da 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 -da. Bush comes out and they do a little dance, and she's like, "Oh, I love you." Yeah, so and he fun. paints and he paints pictures. His book is all portraits of veterans. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, guess yeah. we're injured. <laughs> How sick 
do you have to be to put a book together yeah. of injured vets? Do you uh, uh, just wanted to give a Good shout God. out really quickly to the uh, amazing one of the best things the onions ever did. It was from a couple years ago, showing how Bush um, keeps trying to paint uh, pictures of uh, the Iraqi child ghost that follows him around wherever he goes. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, it's so good. Uh, so watch that shit because that just is just it's like so fucking perfect. Yeah, and it's funny that the establishment's so desperate to like you know pile on Trump that they're willing to embrace all the war criminals again and act like they're all fine. The war never happened. They're great. They have a lot of insight. And New Yorker, of all publications, um, released a giant review of Bush's book, treating him like a goddamn uh, artist who's like serious. It was just like, wow, look at how deep his paintings are. Get lost in Bush's paintings of of injured vets and dead Iraqi children. Have fun. Well, he really knew how to make people- in the bathtub thirsty for his re-arrival right because he he disappeared for so long he didn't even help anybody like on their campaign trail until only he only started doing that like a few years ago nobody wanted to be associated with them in the republican party maybe he's just ecstatic that he's not the most hated person well that too right yeah but let's let's go back to vault seven a little bit because there were three main uh declarations basically WikiLeaks made upon the release of this and right away a lot of establishment media figures and people who are already who are on the left but who are already decided like WikiLeaks has been compromised or they don't like them anymore were saying that all the allegations were exaggerated or hyperbole and the main one they were saying was is that Signal and WhatsApp are now compromised Um, which is it's true because if the Android and iOS platforms can be hacked into um, and they're describing in these documents how they can subvert any encryption apps, then that does mean they've been compromised. So, but everyone's like, no, that doesn't mean signal and WhatsApp is broken there. You know, WikiLeaks is lying and trying to ruin, you know, the ability for people to communicate over signal. I don't think that's what they're doing, but they, no, they're not doing it at all. In fact, I'm sure Julian Assange is very upset because he probably uses signal. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I know he does. Yeah. And so that's, that's yeah, I mean, yeah, if stupid. everybody's been using signal. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's another one of those things where people are acting like WikiLeaks is being irresponsible. There's a lot more pressure on WikiLeaks now from everybody. Absolutely. Um, and, but the, and then also one of the ones they're saying is, is a false allegation that WikiLeaks is making is WikiLeaks claimed in vault seven. There's evidence to suggest that, the fingerprints of other nation states could be used in hacker or malware attacks to make it look like they came from somewhere else. Now, in this Vault 7 documents themselves, they're not explaining how to do this process to frame another country. What they're in the Vault 7 documents, the CIA is explaining how you can reuse malware from all these other different countries' malwares um, because it's almost like open source code that they can reuse and it just makes their job easier. Um, like it, it, it's, it's almost done to say like you can recycle all these pre-existing malware codes from like different countries. Um, so, so again, WikiLeaks allegation is true. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to jump in here. This one guy um, <laughs> who's a CEO of a cybersecurity firm, Stuart McClure in this Reuters article said that one of the most significant disclosures once again, shows how CIA hackers cover their tracks by leaving trails suggesting they are from Russia. And China They and are Iran. from Russia. Yeah. And Iran, China, rather than the U.S. Yeah. I mean, 
So they're probably their defaults are whenever they do this and leave a trail, deliver a trail, they probably just put in all these other countries that we're already adversaries with, you know, Russia, China, whatever. Um, so that it's funny that everyone says CrowdStrike, the security firm that was hired to investigate the DNC hacks is gospel. Everything they say is totally true. But this CEO of Silence, another cybersecurity firm, just people just ignore what he said because they've already decided that WikiLeaks is lying about this. Oh, and look I'm at sorry, the how, how, yeah, they're I, saying I just, oh, look at the coincidence of WikiLeaks coming out to, you know, defend Trump again, right just in time and, you know, to defend Russia just at the right time. It's like what are you talking about? Like they already said they were going to leak CIA stuff. the Vault 7 stuff has been announced for a really long time. And I think the worst thing that WikiLeaks or Julian Assange could be accused of is being showing a little bit too much willingness to try to get media hype um, by like promoting, you know, certain questionable media outlets like Gateway Pundit, or they'll tweet out the spirit cooking article. They tweeted out Ben, the Ben Swan Pizzagate thing. Um, And I, you know, I was, I was upset by that when they did that, but at the same time, like they probably just see all the traffic coming to their website and are trying to find, you know, the most credible versions of the things that are like hyped up the most out of the WikiLeaks. The problem here is it's now after that, I think it's become way easier to discredit the mess, right. you know, the messenger WikiLeaks and Julian Assange and like make the content, like make people ignore the content. more. Well, I, yeah. I, I, I think it was, it really backfired big time. And yeah. that probably does have something to do with why people are ignoring this. But I just keep going back to the whole thing about all of this hysterics about, about Russia hacking the election. I, I just can't believe it because Trump... So they're saying that, that Russia helped Trump win just because they revealed corruption within the DNC. That's really what it all comes back to. And, and reminding yourself of that is very worthwhile because it really shows you how out of control this narrative has gotten where people actually think, you know, the majority of Democrats probably think Russia hacked the vote or did something much more extreme than literally just expose Podesta's private email account. And the, that's where this is about. And the DNC. And the DNC. Um, yeah. Well, let, let's, let's wait. Let, let's, can, I, can we hold that subject just yeah. for a second? I, d- I just wanted to go back to Vault 7. The last thing I want to mention on Vault 7, before we dive into the DNC hacking things, we're going to spend most of the episode talking about, is the car hacking allegation. Mm. So in this... Vault 7 leak, not only did they say that they can hack into Samsung smart TVs and watch and listen to people through their television, which we already know that Samsung themselves were doing, like pri- like their corporation in their user agreement, it basically admitted to that, I think all the way back in like 2012. Uh, but now they're saying- That this- they had the vulnerabilities, right? Well, not that they had the vul- security vulnerability, that they were collecting- uh, you could turn it off because they they collected for like research data. Oh right, right. Yeah. But this is the Vault Seven exposes how it could be off, and how it could be off, and how the CIA can hack into it and bypass their security features to just lit. You know, for the the government can watch you through it now. Right, right, right. I mean, which is not a huge surprise, but it shows that they've had not only do they have the intention of doing it, that they've done it. They have like the they explaining in technical detail how to do it. So they've obviously worked very hard to f- hack into all these different types of devices. Yeah, um, exactly. And but this but the car hacking allegation is one that kind of you know appealed to a lot of people in the conspiracy movement because of Michael Hastings. 
Um, and I don't know the exact details of what leaked in there, but, uh, you know, it brought up Michael Hastings again for a lot of people. And, you know, that never really went away, even though people were like, oh, you're crazy for thinking that, you know, he didn't just crash his car by accident or whatever. Um, I still think that that has a lot of, there's a lot of, um, uh, energy still there. There's a lot of people who are still really weirded out by that. And I just, I think it's something that people just don't talk about. Um, right. Because what do you do and, with it? It's, <clears throat> it's frightening to think that it, that he mm-hmm. was murdered. Um, but then, you know, it makes you seem kind of kooky to think, well, you know, they hacked into his car and, 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 you know, murdered him with it. But now we see that it's actually possible. Uh, the CIA has the capability to do it. And there's also another, bizarre example of this happening where Putin's chauffeur, um, have you seen this video, Abby? Of, no. Of, uh, so Putin had a, a driver um, and Putin happened not to be in, in the car this day. The driver was just driving by himself down the highway and there's a surveillance camera video of the driver all of a sudden getting into the fast lane and speeding up like 20 to 30 miles per hour faster than he was going and veering directly into incoming traffic. <gasps> Um, and it is extremely disturbing. And once Did he again, die? oh yeah, he died instantly. <gasps> yeah. So, you know, what do oh the, what do the, what do the Russians think when stuff like that happens? That's what I always wonder. Like, you know, everyone says Putin kills journalists, you know, he kills his, he kills dissidents and all this stuff. Um, what did they think when something like that happens in their country? Uh, and, and also let's do the thought experiment for just a second. I won't harp on this for too much mm-hmm. longer, but. What if Michael Hastings was Russian? Mm-hmm. What if he was a Russian journalist exposing Putin? What would all these Russia hysterics think here? Would they think that he died in a car accident? Or would they think that Putin hacked his car somehow and murdered him? Well, that's when you see when conspiracy theories are accepted by the mainstream, there's no shortage of, of how extreme they are how crazy they sound um as long as russia's the perpetrator no conspiracies off the table exactly i mean louise mensch uh i think she's a she's she's in the british parliament i think she's now being passed around to msnbc she just wrote something in the new york times saying that putin killed andrew breitbart because he wanted Bannon to get in power or something. Like she's some- also written like um, Russia has zero culture. They're heart. They're they're sick, cold place with no love and no. They don't have Leonard Cohen. They don't. It's like she went on this bizarre rant about how like Russia is like the most xenophobic, Russia phobic shit I've ever heard. It was like really disturbing. It was basically saying like Russia is like a soulless, heartless, disgusting country with zero culture or anything to contribute to the world. It's like, wow, so I guess you support like genocide against Russians since you think of them as like such cretins. Total dehumanization. (laughs) I mean, I heard, I think it was, um, I was on a TYT debate with Chank Uger and and Jordan Chaton and Michael Tracy were, where they just, I don't, it was, it wasn't Chank, but it was like someone else who was debating and they kept saying the Russians, the Russians, you know, did this hack and then somebody stopped him. I think it might've been Jordan. It was like, you need to stop saying like the Russians because there's a difference between the Russian people who play no role in this and like the Russian government. And then, and then like Chank went on to say, well, you know, we know that like Putin controls everything that happens in that country. So it really is like the Russians, you know, it's fair to say that. And they're just thinking like, that's such a, it's such a bad slippery slope to go down because 
it really does make like the pussy riot, the gay rights coverage in Russia that like Vice was doing a couple years ago seem like really on point compared to what kind of coverage there is now. Like that was actually about the Russian people, you know, and right, their right. struggles. And now it's just moved on to the Russians. Yeah, totally, totally. It's like yeah, a movie now. Yeah, that was now. more sympathetic. Yeah, 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 you're totally right. Awful. That started off as just anti-Russian government from all of our press. Yeah. And it was and, like, and, oh, the gay people in Russia are being oppressed. Oh, the... Yeah. And, and now it's just all Russians are shit. Yeah, and then even went to hilarious levels where like RFERL was like promoting that Russian activist who like nailed his balls to the Red Square and stuff. <laughs> And they were like, look at this like amazing performance look artist like nailed his dick. Is. It's yeah. like hilarious that like you, we're paying our tax dollars for like US media to cover shit like that. But um, Yeah, it's like as ridiculous as some of the stuff RT covers. It's so funny. Yeah. Oh man. Or I mean, I even heard on a Joe Rogan podcast they talk he has on a lot of like Hillary voting people who bought into the you know, the DNC hack mm-hmm. thing. And I think he, you know, he talks about Putin in this way a lot, but it's like they were talking about all the journalists Putin killed. And, and I was just thinking like, why don't like, it's worthwhile doing like a compilation of all of the Arab TV journalists that were killed by a U.S. military, like just in Iraq alone. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot. And in some cases they were ordered to target these specific areas where the U.S. got military knew that's where journalists were. Or what about Israel? Let's talk about the journalists that Israel slaughters and how, remember we were talking that one day on the podcast about how Israel's actually gone to great lengths to actually remove journalists' legacies as journalists in official memorabilia and stuff in the museum. They, they actually lobbied to get journalists' names removed. Um, that's how crazy Israel is and how much they don't give a fuck about journalists at all. Yeah. So yeah, but no, no word about that, huh? Just Putin. No. Just Putin and I kills mean, journalists. If, if- you know, if right now um, anthrax was sent to like several Russian politicians who were anti-Putin and journalists who were writing bad stuff about Putin and a, and a few people died from Russian-made anthrax, everyone here would be saying that Putin just went on a mass murder rampage of all of his critics. I mean, they would, that, they would be like a slam dunk. There'd be so many people here acting like it's obvious Putin killed those people. Right. But yet when it happens here, nope. It's never it's never brought up. It's just totally memory hold. So yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, Lewis Lewis Mensch or whatever. She she not only says she said something else crazy. Um, Breitbart and someone else I forget. But but just yeah, no shortage of conspiracy theories. You are lauded. You're promoted um, on the most sought after editorial space in almost the whole world. To be honest, um, Adam Johnson had a funny comment. He was just like. I'm just imagining the New York Times editorial office and, and this intern being like, why don't we get someone to really weigh in who has like a deep, deep understanding of Russia and, and you know, can really weigh in intel- intelligently. And the, they're just like, eh, no, let's have Lewis Mensch. <laughs> let's have Lewis Mensch write an article about how Breitbart was killed by Putin instead. Yeah. It's like, who is running this paper? I mean, this shit is laughable. I mean, it uh, almost, it's embarrassing. I, it's embarrassing. When I started reading that, I literally almost felt like I was watching something that like Liz wall would have been put up to write. Absolutely. It was like that off the wall and just so bizarre. Like we're going to do a test run with like Louise mentioned, just like give her like a nuttier Russian conspiracy than usual and just see if people buy it. I don't even think she came up with that on her own. It just, 
I don't even it's know. Nuts. It, it's, it's nuts. It's weird. But to imagine can, an American mm-hmm. conspiracy theorist being given a platform like that, it's completely unheard of. They don't even well, give people like say, Bev Harris, who yeah. are merely showing all the the errors in the voting machines and how easily U.S. voting machines can be hacked. They don't even give her a mainstream platform like that. No. You know, she's considered more of a conspiracy theorist now than someone like Louise Mensch, who says the nuttiest things you've ever heard about Russia and Putin. Yep, but I'm blacklisted forever because I said that we were lied to about 9-11. It's very, very interesting, yet the entire world somehow agrees, except yeah. stupid Americans who are so such goddamn empire babies that they can't see outside of their own asses. No, and every all these elite Washington, D.C. people and all the media class widely accept this idea that Putin killed his own people in the, the 99 apartment building bombings. And the evidence for because he's the, evil, Robbie. And the American politicians it, aren't evil and heartless. Don't you understand? He's yeah. not human. And 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 the evidence to sh- prove that is actually not that strong. I mean, it's it seems likely when you look at it, but I mean, there's a lot of things that have happened here that have been unproven that also seem very likely mm-hmm. that we won't go into. So yeah, and I just encourage people to just think about that. Whenever you hear these people just repeating these ridiculous conspiracy theories to no end about Russia, about North Korea, about Syria. Just think about this country and the discourse about, A, the deep state, um, state crimes against democracy just over the years and how the term conspiracy theory has been completely weaponized back on people who just dare to question anything. Um, When it's literally proven that we've been lied to about every single event that has been an impetus for any sort of military escalation, literally. Like, I cannot think of one thing that was valid no, in not the history even, of I this mean, empire. There's even just, like, really basic stuff about World War II that we lied about. Like, I, Absolutely. I, was, I was reading all this, um, you know, and I've, and I've probably gone overboard on some of that stuff, but, like, I was reading this really interesting article the other day about how, um, just like how we did tried to do with Al-Qaeda and Saddam Hussein, make that triangulation, that, like, Saddam Hussein was secretly putting, you know, Al-Qaeda and bin Laden up to doing 9-11. We, uh, FDR and, and the American government was trying to make it seem like Hitler was secretly behind the attack on Pearl Harbor at the time. And wow. they, they were making a much more cartoonish representation of what they described as the Axis powers relationship than it really existed at the time to make it seem like they were all in collusion with each other that, Hitler secretly ordered Pearl Harbor and used Japan as a proxy to attack us. So, um, and that's, and that was sort of what we used to, you know, go into multiple theater wars with Japan and Hitler, even though we probably already wanted to for different reasons. It was like, we needed to throw extra spice onto that, you know, to make it believable. Yeah. So, I mean, it it seems to have been happening for forever, but right. But we should probably go into the, um, yeah, let's, the hearings let's, and the and the, all this yeah. fucking the hacking yep. allegations and all this shit. But I did want to say one thing about Michael Hastings. This was something else that I immediately felt like was suspect. Of course, everyone was shutting it down. It wasn't even uttered in any sort of um, mainstream media that it was remotely um, valid of a theory. But the thing is, I mean, he had just gotten a huge general. The Iraq War fired, um, or I guess he stepped down like in. I don't know. Do you, do you remember that? Like exactly how I think he might, yeah. I mean, he might've resigned, but it was like, he was like basically forced out. Right. He was, it was like a huge scandal. He got him forced out. And, and really, um, he was also talking about 
that he was scared to drive his car, that he was scared people after him. He wasn't really like known for being a paranoid um, conspiracy theorist kind of guy. No, he was pretty mainstream. He, he was writing from the Rolling Stone and BuzzFeed. And he told his neighbor, I think the day before he died, he was like, I don't want to drive my car. Can I borrow your car? Um, he was scared to drive his car. I mean, that's just not something that you, that's normal. Um, there's a lot of journalists that I know that are doing really great, important work, and they're not like scared to drive their cars. Um, yeah. And also, it doesn't even have to be necessarily the CIA or deep, deep state. It could have just been simple as this. The general knows someone who's a contractor and just says, hey, dude, he knows someone who has the technology or can tap into that technology. I'm, there are people like that. There are mercenaries. Absolutely. I mean, look at Eric Eric Prince and his Blackwater army. These yeah. people are sadistic sociopaths. You don't think that they're going to fucking kill someone for money? What do you think this world operates on? So no, it could have been as simple as that, where he just said, hey, I course. need to take some little, little bastard out who really and, fucked up my life. And the most disturbing thing that I think, I mean, you know, his family doesn't agree with the idea that he was murdered. They've accepted right. that, you know, it was an accident or whatever, but... There's just so many, you know, so many things that really do give that that theory some weight. I mean, other than all the things you just said, um, Scott Horton uh, took a screenshot from his uh, uh, the book that Michael Hastings wrote of of a page where he's like, you know, he he was saying this on Twitter. He's like, you know, I remember Michael Hastings saying that a general actually said, "I'm going to fucking kill you if you write anything like negative when you go back." And he's like, but I can't find the page. Anyone remember what page it was on? And I was like, damn, that sounds pretty, that sounds almost like too crazy to be true. And then he found the page and it was there as clear as day. It's in his book. He has a quote from a general, not the general he got fired, but someone he was like, you know, shadowing. Um, Unbelievable. Who said, who, who said it and in like, not even in a joking way. And then like some guy, other guy who was also, you know, accompanying him there said like, damn, I can't believe he said, he like was like really upset that the other general had said that. And he's like, he was, he's like, that's really unprofessional. Like, I'm really sorry he said that. Like, so he like had to no, like and, apologize after. And let's remind people what happened. He was found to be sober. He was not drunk. He, he might've smoked weed like 10 hours before he drove or whatever, but he was not drunk. And he was, he, his car was going like 120 miles a fucking hour down a residential road in LA. And then it just explodes. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah. Who would do, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. And I, and, and people can mock me for questioning this if they want, but this, I mean, in light of the, the vault seven stuff, I really, really believe that something happened to him. I really do. Yeah. No, I mean, I I believe um, that something happened to Robert Stevens. I mean, I I not I don't yeah. think Bruce Ivins killed him. I think it might have been someone inside you know the U.S. government who Remind wanted to get people revenge. Who that is really quick. What? Remind people who Robert Stevens is. Oh, so Robert Stevens um, was the first uh, person to die of anthrax in over thirty years in the United States, and he happened to be a guy who released a photo spread and an article in a tabloid, basically in Florida showing the Bush daughters falling down drunk, smoking joints. And one of them looks like it's, she's humping the other one's leg. And the article was about how they're just like party animals. They're <laughs> alcoholics. And uh, Laura Bush actually said in an interview how upset it made her and how the kids should be off limits. And she was directly referring to this article. Coincidentally, this man died from U.S. weaponized anthrax um, that was apparently sent through the mail to his office, even though the letter was never found. 
Bush's friend Rudy Giuliani. The letter was never found? No. Fascinating. Bush, Bush's friend Rudy Giuliani was later hired to decontaminate the building. It had been evacuated for over a year. His company made up to $100 million on decontaminating it. Um, uh, the government, it's a government contract. And uh, after decontaminating it, he got sued by all these ex-photo editors for the Florida Sun for destroying all their photos. So he basically threw away all oh, their cool. stuff. So the evidence, um, again, destruction of all evidence. Huh, it's weird that Giuliani was in charge of that and the 9-11 cleanup. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it is oh, funny. Um, so yeah, this guy, um, his wife actually won a civil suit uh, against the U.S. government, she got a few million. Um, and the, funnily enough, the U.S. government, in their own defense, uh, their defense uh, lawyer said that the reason why this lawsuit should be thrown out is because there's not enough proof that the that the anthrax came from Bruce Ivins or the U.S. Bioweapons Lab. So he was what? basically contending no the way. FBI's conclusions, which oh my God. actually you know, make some sense that he could do that because the NAS, the National Academy of Sciences, which was trying to verify the FBI's forensics in that case, said that it doesn't show that the anthrax even came from Fort Detrick. Like, they can't even prove that through genetic testing. So, this prosecutor basically used that to counter the FBI's conclusions. That's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, we probably talked that about a little bit too long, but I mean, those are two very bizarre examples of if these people were Russian, they would be part of this anti-Russian narrative right now, and we'd be hoisting them up as heroes that were murdered by Putin. Right. 100%. Right. Yep, and it's, and, and you know, I, I haven't been as plugged in since I moved, just because we, you know, it took us a while to get our internet and, and cable hookup, but I was astounded to see that they are really still... 150% on the Russia kick. It just oh, has yeah. never stopped. It's a train that just keeps going faster. That's crazy. So it, tell me about the hearings. Like what is happening this week? Well, so they, they've been doing hearings, I think for the past few days. Um, they finally, the House Intelligence Committee finally agreed to do hearings. This is sort of their compromise. All the Democrats were like, hire a special prosecutor, like hire a special prosecutor. Um, you know, like Fitzgerald or whatever. Who's the guy mm-hmm. who was hired to investigate the um, Valerie Plame leak? I don't remember. Is it Patrick Fitzgerald? I don't know. Spe- he was a special prosecutor. Um, he was supposed to be like unbiased or whatever, you know, independent. Yeah, guy. that always works out. So, so th- in this instance, they just caved on doing a a committee hearing, which is like an open session um, in Congress, and they just bringing out a bunch of different people to interview. So they brought out Comey. They brought out James Clapper, I think. Um, <laughs> they brought out, I don't, I think they, I don't know if they brought out CrowdStrike yet, but they're basically going to try to bring out people to grill also, like Sessions, Flynn, um, uh, who else? Manafort. They're going to bring in Roger Stone, apparently. Can I just jump in here really quick? Why is it so crazy that people who, isn't the job of an ambassador to like discuss things with other countries? I find it really weird that that was the huge thing that ousted Flynn. And then um, who else? Who am I thinking of? Am I thinking of Sessions where he was like, okay, okay, I'll recuse myself from talking about this because he apparently talked to someone from Russia. It's like the fuck. 
So, yeah, Sessions recused himself from the investigation about Russia. But it's like, dude, who cares? Who cares that they had a phone call with someone from Russia? The amb- that's what an ambassador does, not Sessions, but the other guy. Well, the, and that's it just the doesn't thing. make any sense. In a vacuum, you're right. In a vacuum, that alone wouldn't mean anything. But this is, that's the problem of what this narrative that keeps building off of itself as it's meant to be a series of dot connecting, going all the way back to this idea that Russia threw the election for Trump by hacking the DNC and then getting WikiLeaks to act as a proxy to like just, you know, get Trump in. So, so the, the communications with Russia wouldn't be an issue before the election if it didn't connect back, to, if they're not trying to dot connect it back to that which they haven't proven either. Right. So that's the only reason why they're digging in so much in this, because even though they're not spelling it out completely, basically the narrative they're trying to push, probably at its most extreme form, is that somehow the Trump campaign colluded with Russia and knew about the hacking and encouraged it and wanted, you know, and let Russia help sway the election to get them in office. And then at the same time, lift the sanctions off Russia and then somehow give like make a bunch of money on the side. Like Trump is going to make billions of dollars somehow of like the state oil company that Russia just um, denationalized and made private and all this shit. Like there's all these other little side things that they're trying to tie to it as well. So that's, I mean, to me that that's the overall narrative. Is there anything else that I'm missing there? I mean, no, it's, it just never ceases to amaze me going back to the core. What does that really mean? Russia helped sway the election for Trump because he, because if, let's say, if it is true that Russian hackers hacked the DNC and Podesta's emails, dude, it's insulting to my intelligence. It's insulting to the country. It's insulting to Trump voters, actually, to say that this is why. First of all, they're acting like Hillary Clinton wasn't the most detested, hated person that her husband hadn't ruined the economy, <laughs> like that her husband hadn't done all of these, you know, everything from the Telecommunications Act to NAFTA, yep. echoing this crazy conservatism and, and dogmatic shit against minorities. I mean, we understand the past um, a little bit more than they, I guess they're giving us credit for. So to, to actually truncate this entire election down to emails that they are claiming that people in the Rust Belt were obsessing over and all of a sudden they were going to vote for Hillary until they read Podesta's emails is extremely insulting. So the fact that this all comes down to that is shocking. Um, meanwhile, 52% of Democrats, probably even more now, since this has just been going nonstop, probably think that Russia actually tampered with the vote. And I just can't... Yeah. Yep. wrap my mind around what this is really all about. It's just like, well, all right, yeah, like emails were exposed and they revealed what, what true scumbags you are and how corrupt you are. Yeah, well, that I mean, so they're, you're right. I mean, even if that was true, and I don't even believe it is, I'm assuming you don't either, yeah. that the Russians were behind both of those leaks, the Podesta and the DNC leaks, and that they got those emails through hacks and that WikiLeaks was in on some kind of Russian attempt to sway the U.S. election. Um, even if that were true, how much calculable damage did that do to the election? I don't think it it did very much at all because we, you and I saw that the mainstream media was barely touching any of this stuff at the time, especially the Podesta leaks. They were touching mm-hmm. more of the DNC leaks um, because that was making actual like waves. Like Wasserman Schultz had to resign. 
Um, and Donna Brazil got like outed as like, you know, giving questions in advance. I don't remember exactly what her role was, but there were some things that the media did touch, but they barely touched it. Um, and to say that it did damage to Hillary, um, you know, I think it's, it did very minimal damage. Right. Exactly. And it's just, it's crazy too, to see all these people like on Twitter and I'm talking about leftists too, from the young Turks to people who are from Middle East monitor to people on the mainstream media, completely running with the Russia stuff, calling him a Putin puppet, um, just proliferating this insane rhetoric when they, they very well know exactly what we're talking about and understand, I think at their core, how crazy that notion is, but somehow they've gotten swept up into this hysterical fear-mongering against Russia and calling calling Trump some Putin puppet. I mean, it just, even if it were true, let's go back to that premise, even if it were true, how does that even mean that Trump is a Putin puppet, that that Putin-directed hacks and exposed Podesta's emails? Like, Trump has nothing to do with that. Like, yeah, it just well, doesn't it make into, any goddamn sense. Exactly. So they ba- they started by basically making it seem like Trump was a useful idiot for Putin. Like, that he was an mm-hmm. inadvertent, you know carrying out Putin's agenda or something. And that like Putin swayed the election towards him by leaking these things to WikiLeaks, um, you know, and, and was just hoping for the best with Trump. But then it built into Russia has compromising information on Trump and actually is controlling his every move. They have embarrassing videotape of him, you know, with prostitutes at the Moscow hotel, all this stuff started to come out. And then, now they're also saying that he has the the business he has really important business ties that are going to make him all this money when he lifts sanctions off Russia and all this stuff. Um, but let's we should examine the different. So, so they're not just saying that. So they've they've made the you know you've heard the phrase they hacked the election, which yeah. kind of sounds like they hacked the voting machines, even though they didn't. But there were some allegations that they somehow that like they tried to hack into state election systems. Um, there was some of that stuff on the news. I don't know if it was ever proven. Um, but then in the DNI report, they were trying to say that RT had a sway on the on the election as well. Um, and we know that's just minimal. If any sway at all, it was very, very minimal. Um, and so when you combine all these things together, I guess I could see how someone who already hates Russia would believe, buy into this overall narrative. But when you look at each piece individually, they don't, really tie together into a cohesive narrative even. Right. And and that's even beside the fact that all the CIA and the establishment, and I'm talking about the neoliberal and media establishment has done since I can remember. And from our, you know, studies of history show us is that all they have done is perpetuate false narratives, literally to sell whatever the hell they want. So it's like, why on earth should we just randomly start believing them now? And defending them now and being like, yeah, this makes sense, even though there's no evidence you're supplying, absolutely no proof whatsoever. The the so-called proof that you put forward, which is the DNI report, was all about RT. Yep. Um, is that supposed to give us confidence? It's. I mean, it should be obvious just based on the fact of how long, for how long they've been trying to beat this into our heads that it's something's very fishy with it. I mean, it's almost like they let the media <laughs> carry the narrative. And they let the DNC push out this narrative. And then once they, the official government bodies finally grabbed onto it, um, 
it was almost like the narrative was already really established. Like the right. media did most of the job for these intelligence agencies. And the funny part about the DNI report and all these other official letters signing off saying that the Russians did meddle in the election, they're not referencing any evidence that wasn't already covered by the press and those private security firms that were hired by the DNC. So like CrowdStrike and all these tech journalists that think they had this aha moment when they found Russian fingerprints and some of this metadata, that's the evidence that is in the DNI report. Like they go on to talk about Guccifer <laughs> 2 and like reference BuzzFeed articles and Washington Post articles about it and tech blog articles about it. They're not even offering any of their own evidence it's to incredible. show it. So what does that say? Not even not even a single new thing. It's just all, it's like a feedback loop. And Oh, the, and oh you know what else is funny? Is they're calling us deniers. It's like a pejorative that's like, you know, you're a Holocaust denier, you're Sandy Hook truther, like these yeah. terms. Because uh, I was just on Wired reading about Vault 7 before we started, and they said... Vault 7, of course, the release that we just talked about where you can frame other countries for the, the coding mm -hmm. of the hack. And they were like, this is going to, this is totally given fodder. The title of the article was like, how Vault 7 gives fodder to Russia hacking denialists. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's. And deniers. And that's where it's gone. Now people are calling Greenwald, who stayed silent on Ukraine for almost two years and didn't, never talked about like new Cold War shit. Now that he's like starting to talk about a bunch. Now he's a Putin apologist. Yeah, of course. So mm -hmm. like anybody who pushes back against a narrative that seems obviously false and obviously not just false, but pushed upon us for months and if not years, the overall idea that Russia is our enemy and that we must have this adversarial relationship with them has been beaten into our heads for multiple years. Like Mark Ames said, he said, it's like we're being conned. <laughs> he said, it's like the, the, the tricks on us. I mean, it, it, and he's someone who lived in Russia after the fall of the Soviet Union for a long time. He was kicked out by Putin. He's, he's the opposite of a Putin apologist, but he's been forced into this defensive posturing because he just keeps trying to cut through the insane um, false rhetoric that's, that's you know, being peddled at us through every avenue. Yeah. And, he, and he has this great interview that I did with him on Empire Files that people should check out where he's just like, it, it makes such little sense that there's no other explanation than a giant con. I mean, he's just convinced of it because he was like, look, it's not that Russia wouldn't have a motive because of how much we've absolutely destroyed the entire country after the fall of the Soviet Union. We just literally like engineered their economy and, and maintained, propped up this oligarchy with the most hated politicians in the country. They haven't forgotten that. But there is no actual motive in terms of like profiting like other than revenge, you know, because of what we've done to Russia, there's no motive whatsoever. Zero. Yeah. It, and it just seems like why would Russia do something so uncareful and so like heavy handed like this, like a, like a hack uh, and, and like a leak of all this information to manipulate our election or to try to manipulate our election when they haven't done anything like this before? Like, you know, all these events where they've buzzed our aircraft carriers with jets or, you know, like the spy ship um, that was like 30 miles off the East coast of the United States. I mean, that's as like aggressive as they get. Yeah. I mean, Cause they want to paint us as the uh, benevolent ones and Russia as the aggressor that of I course mean, they want to do that. They want to act like Russia's belligerent and being like, they're, look at, they're just hacking us and destroying our democracy. It's like, no, you know, what's funny. Other countries don't really do that. We do that. 
No, I mean, and Russia, I'm sure, does like cyber espionage sure. and, and hacking shit. But like, look at what we're Not doing. Not on the level com- that we do it. No, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, just think about what we're doing right now. We have thousands of troops against their border, military troops doing exercises like every day. And we have been for like a year. You know, and they yeah. just there just keeps happening all these different exercises, and now there's tons of tanks against the Russian border and stuff. U.S. tanks. Um, that's so much more aggressive than what they're doing to us. Why would they leap from you know these these kinds of uh, aggressive actions where they're like you know sending one spy ship off off our coast um, to something like that? It just doesn't it doesn't line up. If they're also hacking our election, then they're, they'd also be doing other more aggressive things. Yeah, like, and can you just imagine that they actually, like, if that theory were true, that that Trump, Donald fucking Trump, everyone thinks that he's like this maniacal genius. He's a complete empty vessel, dude. You think that he collaborated with Russia and, and somehow had this big engineered um, thing to take the election. He didn't know he was going to win. This is all so fake. It's like, you know, I, I forget how absurd it is until we really, really dig into it because it's just like accepted as now just the new normal, you know, but it really does not make any sense to think that Putin and Trump, Donald Trump somehow collaborated on this whole thing. And and he was like, yeah, you, you know, release these and I'm going to lift the sanctions. It's like, give me a fucking break. There's, I mean, and I don't think Chuck Todd is good journalist at all. I think he's, you know, 99% shit, but even he on, on NBC meet the press the other night, I noticed that he was like bringing up to a lot of different people, this James Clapper comment. Cause he interviewed James Clapper about not the hacking specifically, mm-hmm. because I think at this point, the elite class and most journalists have accepted that Russia did hack the DNC. Um, and then they assume that that means that WikiLeaks got the leaks from Russia or whatever. But the one thing I, the media, I noticed even like Chuck Todd was having trouble with this, the idea that Trump is in collusion with Russia, that Trump's campaign was like colluding with Russia right, to lift right. sanctions or, you know, in some ways colluding with them financially, any of that stuff. James Clapper on Meet the Press to Chuck Todd said that there is zero evidence <laughs> to suggest a Trump-Russia collusion and that even all the reports, that he, all the evidence that he had access to, he never saw anything. Okay? This is the head of the DNI. This is the same guy who basically recycled all the stuff from, you know, media reports saying Russia hacked the DNC with no, adding no extra proof. Also, Mike Morell, the crazy guy... Um, that we talked about a few episodes ago, maybe five or six episodes ago, who said that we need to start killing Russians and Iranians covertly to teach the Russians mm-hmm. a lesson and we need to start like bombing Assad's forces and stuff. Mike Morell said that this Trump-Russia investigation is all smoke and no fire. That it's And, and let me actually read you his, his quote. Incredible. It's pretty funny. And this is someone who really does want to kill Russians. Like he is the most Russia. He's one of the psychopath. biggest Russia hawks on the, yeah. the Democratic side you've ever seen. So his actual quote was on the question of the Trump campaign conspiring with the Russians here, there's smoke, but there's no fire at all. There's no little <laughs> campfire. There's no little candle. There's no spark. And there's a lot of people looking for it. And then he also went back. So what James Clapper said and said, that's a pretty strong statement by General Clapper. Wow. So basically saying he believes it. That there's no, that he he thinks that there's there's nothing to this. Zero evidence. Yeah. So 
even these people are trying to disconnect, are only sticking with the Russia hack, the DNC stuff. They're not moving on to this larger narrative, but yet the mainstream media is. That's what's so weird about like Rachel Maddow, just like, just night after night. Yeah. And she's like supposedly like, I've, I've seen people that I follow and stuff saying like Rachel Maddow, like the best coverage since Bush. Mm-hmm. Like every, like she's saying the most important stuff right now. And apparently she's been putting together all the dots and of course, the tax returns, those two pages of tax returns from 2005 that Trump obviously sent that journalist 100%. Hook, line, and sinker, baby. These people never learn. So never I, learn. I didn't even actually watch that episode, did you? Of course I didn't. I cannot watch her. I really can't. It, it upsets me to, to watch her just because she's so over the top. But um, no, I mean, the tax returns, she had the guy, I, wa- I did watch a small clip, but not the whole episode, but she, yeah, she had that guy on and she was like, I got him right here, like pretending like it was some giant revelation. And, and then when you realize what's in the tax returns, it's extremely obvious that Trump leaked them himself because it shows that he paid like $30 million in taxes. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the tax report. And it's only two pages that shows like how much he paid in taxes one year. And so it doesn't really make anyone look good that's been hammering on the tax thing. And also, no one cares. If people cared that he didn't pay his taxes, they wouldn't have voted for him. They, they, they are already assuming that he doesn't pay taxes. That, does that, that has zero effect on people. Honestly, that's not a thing. That's not like a good resistance line to show it's, that Trump didn't pay all of his taxes. And it's not even true, as he just showed it by sending out these tax returns. So anyway, Maddow sucks. I mean, I guess they're hoping that in his tax returns, you're going to find out some like Russian, you know, connection, like to like tie everything together or something. That's what all, a lot of these people yeah. are thinking. And there's all these people still acting like the other shoe's going to drop. Like there's more stuff, you know, they know there's more stuff and it's going to come out. And I just don't, I just don't buy it. The momentum right. seemed like it was there when Flynn was out so fast. Um, so unless this is just like a strategic attempt to like destroy Donald Trump's presidency, like over, you know, by like delaying these leaks, then I just don't think there's any, there isn't going to be anything. No. And, I, and unfortunately I don't think they're that smart to do that. Cause I think that they wouldn't have waited this long. I really don't. If they had a smoking gun. Yeah. I mean, should I go into the, like the technical reasons yeah. why the hack is bullshit? Yeah, of course. Okay. So, and I'm just going to put a disclaimer here that I don't understand um, most technical aspects of hacking. I am like a mo- like I I have like medium computer knowledge. Um, I've never done any hacking myself. I don't really know. Uh, you know, I don't know how to code either. Um, but there's a really interesting website. Um, that I recommend everybody check out who who's interested just to see. Um sort of just what the Russian hack um, allegations are all about. And, and like, you know, to see a bunch of holes poked in basically one main plank of this argument that Russia hacked the DNC. Um, it's a website called g-2.space. Um, and, it's, and we'll link to it on the timeline. Yeah. And uh, I'll just read a little bit here from it. Um, and the website starts out by asking... Was he a Romanian or Russian or an American? Did he really hack the DNC? Was he really a source for WikiLeaks? Did he hack into the Clinton Foundation? Did he tell any lies? Did he have an ulterior motive? So this website is a really extensive examination of Guccifer 2.0, and it gives a breakdown of the timeline of when Guccifer 
2.0 appeared on the scene and then like cr- a chronology of all of his activity and also a lot of the stories about him. So basically just a little primer about why Gooch for two is like a, a 2.0 is an important component of this is because Gooch for 2.0 is uh, referencing an actual hacker who hacked into, I think Clinton email accounts and released some stuff. This person is is just using their name. So it's not the same hacker. It's a guy who has, or, or a group that has at this point remained anonymous. But U.S. intelligence and all these private security firms are alleging that Guccifer 2.0 is the linchpin that proves that Russians hacked the DNC and gave to WikiLeaks. So the, these private security firms are already claiming they know that Russians breached the DNC. Um with various like spear phishing attempts or different hacking methods. But the problem with that allegation is that there are probably hundreds of security breach attempts made every year on a major political party's network like that. That's just a fact. Even private companies have breaches like that happening all the time from all different areas of the world. You know, Russia, uh, Romania, um, Eastern Europe, anywhere, you know, happening. That's understandable. So the the idea that they know for sure Russia, you know, breached them and that's where the emails came from is not really based on any evidence except for Guccifer 2.0, who was a character who appeared on the scene and is basically trying to get all this attention, being very loud, saying that they have DNC emails and they've they hacked into the Clinton Foundation and they hacked into the DCCC and um and that a bunch of bad stuff is going to come out. And so I guess this person gave Vice Magazine and a few other journalistic outlets like Gawker examples of some of the documents that he hacked, like to try to hype up his own Guccifer 2.0 brand name. And these journalistic outlets later published some of these documents. And it turned out that they were actually documents that were had already previously been leaked on other things. So it was kind of like, oh, this hacker is kind of just like pulling our leg. He's not really releasing anything new. I think that was the determination, that he was just trying to get attention. But um, this hacker started saying that right after WikiLeaks started publishing the DNC emails, this hacker started claiming on Twitter, I, I gave WikiLeaks the DNC emails. He basically started admitting to it and acting like he was part of the WikiLeaks operation. Mm-hmm. Right after that, all these tech blogger, journalist type people who had downloaded these documents that Gawker and Motherboard and some of these other places published of Guccifer 2.0 were like, oh my God, Russian fingerprints, Russian government fingerprints are like in these documents. And because the DNC had already accused Russia of breaching them months earlier, this is was the torrent and the opening for the DNC emails came from uh, a Russian hack under the guise of Guccifer 2.0 is actually a Russian front. because And the reason they say is because he lied about his nationality. He's not actually Romanian. He's using Russian language. And, he, and uh, you can tell it by looking at the metadata in the documents. Mm-hmm. But if you go to this website and break it all down, it seems like somebody deliberately copied Russian metadata from documents and like pasted it very obviously in the things that Guccifer 2.0 sent around to people. 
So basically what I'm saying to sum up this Goochfer 2 story, you have to go to this website, and we'll link to it on the timeline, to fully understand this whole story. It'll take you a few hours to read. Um, is that this character, Goochfer 2.0, was claiming to be associated with WikiLeaks, admitted to giving the emails to WikiLeaks, even though WikiLeaks never acknowledged it. No one could ever prove that. Um, and they're using, including the American government and the mainstream media, are using Goochfer 2 as the link and the linchpin between why WikiLeaks was getting this from a Russian hack. Um, and it's only because... Goochfer 2.0 like said that they gave it to WikiLeaks. That's the pretty much the only Unbelievable. reason. And has anyone followed up with who this guy really is? I, they still can't find out. They still don't know for sure, but every intelligence agency and those that sign off on those, you know, documents including all these private security firms, they say they know for sure Goochfer 2.0 is a Russian front because of this metadata. But then the Podesta emails, I'll just very quickly go into their evidence for this, the Podesta emails they say came from a Russian spear phishing attempt where he accidentally clicked on an email asking for his password that was like a spoof email mm-hmm. that came from a Russian hacking group called Fancy Bear. And the reason why these private security companies know Fancy Bear is a Russian hacking group, um, they claim, is because their hours of when they hack and when they don't hack, they take days off on Russian holidays. Are you joking? No. Not joking. What? And they claim that the malware has Russian fingerprints from like actually known established Russian malware, which is kind of a leap already to make. But at the same time, this Vault 7 leak shows that you can easily recycle other parts of hacking malware that identify from other countries and just mix it in with your own code. So that's oh one God. thing. So that's just one one thing. Now, that doesn't, so the, basically that means that anyone could have sent this, really anyone. But someone was trying to put things in it that made it seem convincingly, wow. convincingly Russian, but things that could be easily found by anyone with a moderate degree of technical knowledge. Like, aha, there's a hidden layer here that shows Russian fingerprints. Like, almost like, act, like burying something in the ground that you wanted to be found by someone. Of course. You know? And I hate to use the phrase because it's been ruined by assholes like Alex Jones, but the false flag. Um, yeah. And there's and there's another interesting component that a guy named Jeffrey Carr, very um, trustworthy tech uh, tech journalist, wrote about, saying that the spear phishing email came from a Russian email server called Yandex, which is kind of like a Russian Gmail. And the interesting part about that is the domain name itself came from not the Russian language version of Yandex, but one that was displayed in English. So whoever used it needed to type in an English captcha to use it. Yep, exactly. I remember Mark Ames tweeting about that, and I didn't and understand so that until fucking, right now. So, so, dude, so this guy named The Gruck, who's like a tech blogger, like journalist guy, just started hammering me on Twitter out of nowhere. I never tweeted at him for just asking some of these questions. Like, why was Gooch for 2.0 so sloppy? Like, why would the Russians... Yeah act this sloppy and boastful, you know, like why would they broadcast? It just, I was just asking these questions and this guy started being like, you know, you don't understand what you're talking about. You're not equipped to like research this, you you know, like, and all that. He was just like weird, like bullying, like kind of tactics. And I, and he has like hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter. And I guess he was one of the guys that had one of those aha moments and he helped propel this myth by like claiming he had discovered some Russian fingerprints in one of these emails, 
which I thought was odd that he would just come at me from nowhere, just for asking some very obvious questions. Right, especially since you weren't directing them. Yeah. So wow. that actually made me more curious. Like maybe this guy knows his work is total fucking bullshit. Because well, just from a basic I... examination, it seems very obvious that someone was trying to ha- like a really half-assed way link Russia to this whole thing. Yeah, no, that's what's so crazy to me. If it if it had nothing to do, you know, like if it was just someone that we still didn't know who the hack was, but now that we know that it was someone trying to frame it on Russia, that that is a whole nother level of the story. And all these journalists who are supposedly equipped to report on it how come they don't see through how clearly bullshit it is they're I don't just know like the... taking the bait super hard and being like yeah no it's like they're so eager it's like these this was a covert hack by russia but at the same time the russians were like we fucking did this motherfuckers yeah, like, we're like we're look at us like that's not russia's mo like that's just not how they operate i mean it just it's so cartoonish to think that this is how they went Went about it, and that's what I mean by why. Why would it be so sloppy like this? Right, and why would the why would Gujarfer be like, I did it? Yeah, like, hey, me over here, everyone, look at me. And the, and the Russian like this, all this like supposed forensic evidence that links Russia to the hacks is one thing, but what Gujarfer too magically does is it makes it seem like WikiLeaks is working with Russia. Because right when WikiLeaks dropped those emails, like Gucci Two was already saying, I got like DNC stuff I'm about to release. And then boom, he's like, I gave these emails to WikiLeaks. And that's what they're going on. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's well, absolutely nuts. And, and yeah. And, and of course, the CIA stuff doesn't really lend credibility to this whole theory about Russia, obviously, because certainly it was probably someone from the inside who leaked the Vault 7 stuff. So it's just curious the way that all of this is being framed, um, elements of it are being backpaged. And, um, I mean, they pretty much already admitted it was it came from the inside, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, Con- yeah. I mean, contractor. well, that's what I'm saying is that their language is like, not once did they say this was a hack or anything. No, no. They just immediately were like, this was leaked. Yep. It's just really interesting. It is really interesting. Um, and I think, just going back to Goots for two point oh really quick. I think that there is some evidence that he did release some hacked emails of some kind that weren't in the WikiLeaks dumps. So there was like a reason for journalists to believe that he was like a legit hacker who was about to like dump a bunch of like juicy stuff, but he just never did. So he led people on somehow. Like he didn't just come out of nowhere and like get all this media attention, you know, from just being like a Twitter hype guy. Um, but you'd have to look into this website and we'll link to it again. It's really fascinating when you see it all laid out that it's so obvious. Oh, and the funny thing is, Abby, this is looking that same DNI report where your show comes up. This is the main evidence they try to tie WikiLeaks to Russia and Russia to the DNC hack with this Gutsiver 2.0. It's like half of the DNI's reports are Gutsiver fucking 2.0. And they're bringing in Roger Stone to testify, they're trying to, under this intelligence committee hearing, because he had a private Twitter conversation with Gutsifer 2.0. And, and the, if you look at the conversation, there's like screenshots of it online. It's like super innocuous. Obviously, like Roger Stone is just trying to be like his own hype man. And it, it's, it's just such loose, nonsensical dot connecting. I mean, this, in my mind, I mean, most of this doesn't even come close to like things that are traditionally considered like conspiracy theories, like in conspiracy culture. It's just fascinating. 
But if you really want to find out the meat of what this proof is, what people are saying is you know, proven without a shadow of the doubt, is it's Guccifer 2.0 and Fancy Bear. And Guccifer 2.0 apparently is the one who got the DNC emails, and Fancy Bear is apparently the one that got the Podesta emails. And both of them are apparently fronts for Russian military intelligence. And the fingerprints that link them to that that are very suspicious. And, you know, WikiLeaks wasn't wrong by saying that <clears throat> Vault 7 shows how easy it would be to frame another country for a cyber attack. But at the same time, I mean, there's there's other huge problems with the, with the narrative where there's actually people... Oh, okay, here it is. So, WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks operative claims Russia did not provide Clinton emails. They were handed over to him at a D.C. park by an intermediary for disgusted Democratic whistleblowers. Craig Murray, former British ambassador to Uzbekistan and associate of Julian Assange, said he flew to Washington, D.C. to intercept the emails from a, an intermediary. He claims he had a clandestine handoff in a wooded area near American University with one of the email sources. So, I mean, <clears throat> WikiLeaks didn't acknowledge this either, but... It is interesting that no one ever brings this up, that this guy is basically saying, you know, I know for sure that they weren't hacked because I got them from a whistleblower, (laughs) an insider. You were saying no one that you know actually believes the, the Mm -hmm, like DNC, mm -hmm. you know, was hacked by Russia and that it, and then Russia, you know, threw the election to Trump stuff. But yeah, exactly. So what I was saying was, you know, other than the people that I talked about on, on Twitter and obviously media people, I feel like none of none of my friends, my close personal friends and close acquaintances believe this at all um, or they're highly skeptical. You know, they're not putting it completely out of the realm of possibility, but they're still like, wow, well, obviously it, it's highly suspect. And also the CIA and all of these people have every reason to lie and they've done nothing but lie. So, yeah, but you were saying that it's gotten to the point where anyone who questions it is shamed, just like every everything that happens, Syria, this, you know, if you're not yeah. Russia-phobic and xenophobic, then you're um, a shameful traitor. Well, especially this now, it's like even just doubting these claims either makes you an alt-right Trump supporter or a Putin apologist or a Putin shill. It's like, that's not, it's just so fucking unfortunate that it's already gotten that extreme and polarized like that's why more people if all these people you know you know i'm sure i know a lot of people too but like not enough people are speaking out against it because of how much like shaming there is going around and how easily you can be smeared now for coming out against this so it it just there needs to be more people doing it um yeah with louder megaphones absolutely and don't feel pressured don't fall prey to this propaganda campaign because that's exactly what it is. It happens all the time. It's There's a motive. There's a motive and a very clear agenda. And as my brother just outlined, there's extremely clear evidence that this was a staged provocation. Um, and, and, and I know it might not make sense because it's like, what do you mean the CIA hacked Podesta then you know, to, to go against Hillary and stuff? Look, we don't know what's going on within the government. There's a lot of different factions 
um, Comey didn't have to come out right before the election and say that the investigation was reopening. Like clearly there's rifts yeah, um, and there's different power plays going on. So I wouldn't put anything past any of these people. <laughs> and we all, all we know is that there were some security breach attempts made, you know, you know, and th- that still doesn't mean that WikiLeaks got this data that they released from these security breaches. So it's just, it's just, there's so many aspects to this that are false. Um, and that's what they're writing on. I mean, they're, yeah, it, we don't know who did those security breaches and who put Russian fingerprints in them that seem really obviously planted in there. We don't know who that was. I don't know if it was the CIA. It would seem unlikely because why would you want to sort of like play a scorched earth strategy like that and right. like ruin the political landscape in the U.S.? It just, I just don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But I do know that it does seem like the DNC really wanted to push this narrative and they somehow got the Obama administration finally to go along with it after a long period of time of Obama's uh, not putting the official stamp on it um, right before he gets out of office. And uh, here we are, you know, with this still floating in the air and maybe it's just partisan revenge for, uh, you know, them hating Trump so much. Um, but at and the end understandably of the day, so. at the end of the day, uh, you know, CIA heads, DNI heads have said there is no actionable intelligence nor evidence that Trump was colluding with Russia and if that's if that at the end of the day is is what the bottom line is, I feel like I'm like saying all these things. Like at the end of the day, <laughs> throw the baby out with the bathwater. No, I mean I, honestly though, like think about that. If that is the bottom line, that there is no evidence that Trump was working with Russia, then what the hell is this? What are they going to prove? Like even if they prove that it was a Russian hacking group that that hacked in the DNC and Podesta, what that's not going to undermine Trump's legitimate win. Yeah. in the system that we have. So I, I just, I guess I just don't see where it's going. Well, where it seems to be landing is that it's pe- a lot of people believe it now. So it's like, that's a but new But how thing. is that going to hurt Trump? Well, I don't, what if that's not even the end goal? Right. I mean, like, what if they just want to provoke a hostility with Russia and then force, you know, not, I'm not, and this is again, almost sounding like deep state versus Trump narrative, mm-hmm. which I don't subscribe to, but like, you know, make tr- Trump feel like he needs to show that he's sh- strong against Russia and do something, you know, after so many, so much of the general public buys into this. I, I don't know. Um, but it's continuing on the same track it's always been since we've been talking about this. It's just way more accelerated now. And, but it seems like a lot of people now believe it, a lot of regular Democrats now think Trump is a Putin puppet and now think tr- Russia manipulated our election. Like that's, that's a relatively new thing. Like, um, you know, that this many regular people are now convinced of that. So it's, it's truly, it's truly astounding. And I would just encourage everyone to become a media literate and B just become a critical thinker. I'm sure you already are. That's why you're listening to this podcast, but encourage your friends and families to also question these things because taking this shit at face value is extremely damaging. And as you know, from listening to our podcast, we are not Trump apologists at all. 
we're just simply critically thinking about the situation and seeing how much we've been lied to and how much these narratives have been spoon-fed to us over the last couple of years. So obviously we should take a step back and question anything coming from both sides of the establishment right now, the Trump people and the, and the neoliberals. Yeah, um, there's an agenda at play for both of them, and you should stop apologizing for any of them right now. Yeah, and Trump, the one thing that his administration is really good at is they're playing off of the fact exactly. that the neoliberal establishment and the sort of the, you know, the so-called establishment are acting so dumb right now and trying and making all these reaches that the Trump administration can make itself seem like it's the underdog. It's the good guy somehow in this scenario. You know, like I'm the one being wiretapped and spied on. It's like it's it, that's dangerous yet too. Yet I'm massacring Somali refugees at the same time. Isn't that crazy? Th- that's the problem here is we need to be skeptical of both, you know, and it's not just two sides, but I mean, each component of it, the Trump administration lies, the mainstream media lies, the establishment lies. Um, there's an agenda behind it all and it's not serving us, the people. No. So, and, and no matter what establishment side that you're looking at, it all comes down to the bottom line of corporate profits. And that's why the media is so screwed up. It's because we don't have a real news for the people, by the people. It's top-down shit coming to how to make your profits larger, how to make more money every year. That's that's obviously why, they've, why Trump is in office is because of these ratings on TV. Um, and he he does well off negative attention. I've never seen anyone thrive more off negative publicity than Trump. Um, But that's all the media's fault. Make no mistake. So it's important to understand the core issue, once again, is corporate empire, capitalist exploitation of the third world. You want to talk about globalism, um, the media being lying to you. That's why all these conservatives and Trump supporters who agree with him about CNN's fake news, why are they fake news? It's not because it's liberal media and they're selling transgender people and, you know, all these things that are like a little bit too much for you guys. No, it's because they want to make money. And like you said before, they're tapping into the zeitgeist of Americana and seeing what can make us more money. Oh, okay, this gay couple on this show will be popular because that's where they think America's pulse is at. It's not what's good for the people. If, if they were doing that, then they would be talking about the, the lead-laden water in dozens of cities around the goddamn country yep. that are giving kids brain damage. So make no mistake, let's not get caught into these paradigms and this bullshit divide and conquer stuff. Let's understand the root cause of the problem. Yeah, um, and money and, is corrupting all of our systems. Corporations yeah. control the world. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I wouldn't even consider myself a socialist but I mean, like, it's so obvious, you know, you don't have to be a socialist to understand that, you know, that, that whole stupid talking point that's going around now about, you know, it's like, it makes you look like a sophisticated person who understands the economy in an adult way where it's like, well, you know, if they, if they raise the minimum wage then they're just going to, you know, make like robots do the work for them. Like I keep hearing all these idiots saying this point, like it's some like adult sophisticated thing to think. And it's like, no, you fucking moron. Like, look at the world around you. The minimum wage has stayed, you know, on in a very low, you know, barely going up year by year, while the cost of living and inflation in this country has like far surpassed, you know, the the ratio is completely out of whack now. It's it's not even comparable. So if the cost of living is gonna go up and, you know, um, and the minimum wage isn't going to go up at the same rate, 
then there needs to be you need to raise the minimum wage. So yeah, just and I really, love how they think that automation isn't going to happen without like yeah, they're just going to stay stagnant and not adopt new technology just because of the minimum wage. Like, give me a break. These people are so stupid. Of course, they're going to automate everything. That's yeah. inevitable. Yeah, they're just going to try to they'll try to pinch profit, you know, get profits in any way they can. And if, yeah, they will <laughs> automate as many things as they can, regardless. I mean, so it's just funny that it's like, yeah, they're not, you know, they're going to just do other things. Like, just like saying that if we don't give tax breaks to corporation, they're going to pass on the cost to us. Like that weird argument, like where'd all these asshole pro corporate oligarch, like talking points come from? I mean, it just makes me sick. Well, that's why we have a corporation running our country. Like these people are, worship the free market. Um, they have no idea. They think that more, you know, opening up the market more is the solution, running the country like a business. Why the hell would you run a country full of 350 million human beings um, half of them poor as hell, living on paycheck to paycheck. You're going to run that goddamn country like a business? Well, then buy. Um, a lot of people are going to die because that's how businesses are run. Businesses are run where you don't give a shit about safety or any sort of standards until a massive amount of people get sick or die. Business, yeah. baby. That's just business. Yep. So yeah, let's run the country like that and see how well it goes. Um, unbelievable. I, I just hope that people wake up soon because this is really, I don't see how much worse it can get in terms of more corporatized and more business oriented in terms of like running this country. I don't know how much worse it can get other than Trump and the regime he's put in place of billionaire oligarchs, literal head of the of Exxon Mobil. I mean, if we don't wake up now, then we're in for a real, real uh, tough road ahead, guys. Yeah. And I think it's, we need to stop, you know, acting like we're sophisticated, you know, and, and I'm talk, not talking about us, but just people in general need to stop acting like they're super sophisticated for like reading all this stuff about like Russians, hybrid warfare. You know, like I hear all these people using all these terms they learn from like these anti-Russian stories, you know, propaganda <laughs> stories that are coming out. Um, and uh, what was I just going to say? Oh yeah. One of the main things that really bugs me uh, that I want to see stop is people only referring to Russian billionaires as oligarchs, like oh le God. like leftists and people, you know, like us. We'll use the term oligarch all the time to describe, you know, billionaires anywhere. But it's funny that you only see that term come up when it's for like Russian billionaires. Totally, it's just totally. so fucking stupid. Totally, yeah, that's um, so funny. It's almost like accompanies it. Yeah, it's almost synonymous with Russia. Yeah, incredible. So incredible. Just just, no, just try to notice these things. I mean, they're not hard to see. They're all they're happening every day on every TV me news channel. So, yeah, no, absolutely. But but I will say to end on a positive note, um, people are rejecting this. I think that the once again the Bernie Sanders campaign showed us that people do not want predatory, um, freeloading, free market, free flowing, free wielding, just total corporate control, corporate consolidation. There are a lot of young people who are totally rejecting the capitalist system as we know it today. They want healthcare. Um, they don't want to cut things like meals on wheels. We want our parents to be taken care of. We want our environment to be taken care of. I, this is, it's a huge awakening. I think that we're going to see um, a lot, lot more movement in the street, a lot of actions. I mean, people are ripe and ready. I, I, I go out there and every everyone I talk to and interact with day to day, it seems like somehow the conversations gets political without even me trying to. Um, it's just, you know, I tell someone what I do and, and I just say, yeah, there's no shortage of news these days. And then we just get, 
we get talking and that's how you're going to reach people is just put yourself out there, wear a button, put a slap a sticker on your car. Um, we have these sticker packs now for empire files and we're just mobbing them up in all the cities across the country to spread the word about why the U S empire is so dangerous, why Trump is not standing up to the empire, why it's continuing unabated, um, to kill millions of people around the world, to undermine, um, dozens of countries processes that they're going through as we speak. Um, so it's extremely important to keep your focus on empire, militarism, imperialism. How can we galvanize together to focus on this, um, and of course, it's a it's a result of the predatory capitalist system that we have that you're going to continue to expand into other countries and gobble up their resources. And it, it won't stop on its own. Let's just say that it's going to only stop with masses and masses of people in the streets. Um, and what Bannon fears the most, that multicultural progressive front. <laughs> that's what they're most terrified of. That's the only thing that's going to stop them. Yeah. But I have, I do have a lot of hope, especially being, I've been going to some meetings and just participating in protests in New York and now here. And, um, people are very, um, awake. Let's just say that they're, they're, they're plugged in. Um, whereas Obama put a lot of people to sleep, people are very plugged into what's happening right now. Um, and that's a really beautiful thing because that means more opportunities to bridge these gaps. So keep up the hope, keep the hope alive, keep up the spirit keep fighting. Um, let us know what you think on empire files and media roots radio and check out my brother's fourth installment. I I'm not going to say installment, the trailer for the fourth installment coming soon of a very heavy agenda, incredible, incredible work. Um, did you want to talk about what, what's to come Robbie? No, just, they can go, uh, check it out at, (laughs) um, at the Twitter account at very heavy agenda. All the but it's really cool there. because it's tying in so much that I don't think anyone else has covered or will cover in the way that you will because you understand the Trump movement more than most journalists. And so the way that you're going to pull together the neoconservative um, bent as well as where we're going from here, as well as the Russia stuff and the Trump phenomenon, really interesting tie together with the Alex Jones stuff and stuff. So people really, really have to watch this, um, check it out and, and donate to us on Patreon. We have a new Patreon and it's paying per radio show. So you're not just throwing money endlessly at us when we take breaks and stuff. I mean, we're, we're, you're only going to see that money cashed out when we release an episode. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for everyone's support. Thanks for keeping on our asses about producing these. We have been really meaning to, and um, there's so much going on. It's it's hard to keep track. But if you guys have any suggestions or recommendations, feel free to give us a shout out on Twitter. My brother's handle at fluorescent gray with the G R E Y and me at Abby Martin. Let us know what you think and keep fighting, everyone. Peace. B. B.